Morning prayer begins on page three. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. For the Vanity, Psalm 95, on page 459. <clears throat> o come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 45, on page 396. My heart overfloweth with a good matter, I speak the thing which I have made concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Full of grace are thy lips, because God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thee with thy sword upon thy thigh, O thou most mighty, according to thy worship and renown. Good luck have thou with thine honor. Ride on because of the word of truth, of meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thy arrows are very sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, and the people shall be subdued unto thee. Thy seat, O God, endureth forever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Wherefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh, aloes, and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters are among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand doth stand the queen in a vesture of gold wrought about with diverse colors. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king have pleasure in thy beauty, for he is thy lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift, like as the rich also among the people shall make their supplication before thee. 
The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins that be her fellows shall bear her company, and shall be brought unto thee. With joy and gladness shall they be brought, and shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers thou shalt have children, whom thou mayest make princes in all lands. I will make thy name to be remembered from one generation to another. Therefore shall the people give thanks unto thee, world without end. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 21st chapter of the second book of Samuel. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and with what shall I make atonement, that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. And he said, Whatever you say, that will I do for you. So they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us and plotted against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel, let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aah, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Meholathite. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell, all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Aah, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock, from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aah, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the streets of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them up after the Philistines had struck down Saul in Geboah. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son from there, and they gathered the bones from those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the tomb of Kish his father. So they performed 
performed all that the king commanded, and after that God heeded the prayer for the land. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then issued Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was three hundred shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruai, came to his aid, and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Shebekai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again there was a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where El Elhanan the son of Jaar, Origim the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again there was a battle in Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand, and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also was born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimea, the brother of David, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and fell by the hand of David, and by the hand of his servants. Here ends the first lesson. Benedictus S. on page 11. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the second verse of the seventh chapter of the of Second Corinthians. Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one, and we have corrupted no one, and have defrauded no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you, when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. 
for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I write to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Therefore we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoiced exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Here endeth the second lesson. Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord I'm God of Israel. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mute, I, did not, I didn't unmute myself. I'll start again. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham, that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high have visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, as now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity. And that we may obtain that which thou dost promise, make us to love that which thou dost command through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth the eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning to all. Today's chapter from Second Samuel is kind of a difficult chapter in this um reckoning with uh what we can term blood guilt and it seems a little bit brutal um that descendants of of saul who's long gone now will have to die but we, we a couple of things to think about in the context of it is that um that that the what vows made in the name of god matter and saul was the lord's anointed and there's a vow made by Israel back in Joshua that, that, that the, uh, um, uh, the, the Gibeonites would not be harmed. And the, the story referred to here that Saul um, killed some of them is not recorded. But so we're, we're, we're taking this, this is an event that happened somewhere that we, don't, we didn't hear about. But it certainly is in keeping with everything we know about Saul, who, remember, slaughtered all the priests uh, among other things, so anything that would get in his way, he would do. But he was the Lord's anointed, and his actions violated a word that that Israel had made to somebody and incurred a real guilt. And it, it's hard for us to remember sometimes in our modern thinking, where we treat sin very lightly as though we're no big deal. That that it's a it's a big deal. It 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 um, especially the word, because God created by speaking. What He said matters. Uh, and Jesus told us about vows, you know, don't don't make any vows. Just let your yes be yes and no, no. What you say you should mean. And we live in a, in a world where there's so many words flying around that don't mean anything. Commercials lie. Politicians lie. Everyone lies. Oh, no big deal. They're sort of accepted. You can, you know, use your words to get what you want, and there's no lasting consequence to it. But then Jesus said, uh, 
for every idle word that men speak, they'll, they'll be held accountable on the day of judgment. So we have to think about our word. So Saul's word mattered and it was culpable and it, uh, or Saul's, Saul's violation of the word given to the Gibeonites. And so there's this consequence wrought. We should remember the death of Saul's sons for the sin of Saul and the offense against the Gibeonites. Um, it harkens forward, of course, to the cross. And this highlights what it means that Jesus died for our sins. That is, Jesus died for all the ways that we have spoken one thing and done another, or the ways we have not fulfilled our vow. And and so when we come to, to God through the sacrifice, Jesus are made whole, it's a really big deal. And we can kind of uh, contrast the, the condition, the sort of, you know, that Saul's son is dying for Saul with the condition in Second Corinthians, where St. Paul is referring to this. This is another section in, in Corinthians where St. Paul refers to what's sometimes thought of the, the painful letter, which um, if you study the Corinthian correspondence, the common thought is that there's First Corinthians, then there's another painful letter that we don't have anymore, then there's Second Corinthians. And St. Paul is referring to the painful letters where he wrote them, where they were doing things that they they needed to not do, and he had to correct them. And and he says, um, I, I wrote to you, but the, and that your your sorrow produced godly repentance. For the sorrow of the world produces death, but godly sorrow produces life. So when we face the reality of what we've done wrong, it brings us to godly sorrow. That um, and, and cleansing through the cross of Jesus, because these are the two options for humanity now that the Son of God has offered himself, you know, in his life and death and 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 is now Lord, is that we we can recognize our sin and repent and be sorrow with godly sorrow and receive forgiveness and reconciliation. And then out of the abundance of grace we experience in that live in a new way, or we can remain unrepentant and we can say under the sentence of death, which is really what the sentence is if we go back to Samuel, there's guilt unatoned for that we therefore have to settle, you know, because we're just, but, but in practical relational terms, it means without repentance, we remain separate from God, quite apart from um, the judicial language. You can use judicial language that you're guilty and you'll be punished, or you can understand it in more relational terms that, that we are in a, a state of separation from God until we're aware of our sin and we're brought to godly sorrow and repentance and then we're reconciled with God in Christ through the Spirit and now we're we're reconciled with God we can live in Christ and apart from that godly sorrow and repentance we're out we're, we're separate it's not so much a future punishment is just that the natural consequence eternally of being in that space is that you're separate and and so um the other thing that's no, it's notable about this uh, second uh, Corinthians passage is the great emotion with which with, with which St. Paul speaks. And it makes the point that he really cares about the Corinthians. You know, he when he's talking, when he's addressing them about what they've done wrong, it's not um, he he cares about them. He wants them to repent. He wants them to be brought back into that right place with God. And this is always our heart for 
people that we're ministering to or with or helping, sometimes we see somebody we don't like very much and we're going to confront them because what we really want to do is nail them and see that they get, you know, we'd like to see them get what they have coming. But the real heart of Christ is to um, confront the wrong in such a way that we really hope those who have done it will see their error and be brought back to um be, be brought to godly sorrow and repentance, be reconciled with God. And we see this in Paul, and we should be, think about that in ourselves when we, you know, when we want to confront someone, we want to tell them this. Do we, do we really want to do this because we want them to see the truth and we want them to, 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 to be reconciled with God, or do we just have that touch of, of vengeance in us remaining? So a few thoughts about today's lessons. Today is our day of... Um, Prayer and fasting for mission. I'll continue with the prayer for missions on page 38. O God, who has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in the face of the whole earth, and did send thy blessed Son to preach peace to them that are far off and to them that are nigh, grant that all men everywhere may seek after thee and find thee. Bring the nations into thy fold, pour out thy spirit upon all flesh, and hasten thy kingdom the same thy son jesus christ our lord amen <clears throat> together the thanksgiving on page 33 almighty god father of all mercies we that unworthy servants to give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Pause for a moment just to for everyone to remember their personal intercessions, and we'll close with a prayer of St. Chrysostom and the Grace on page 34. pray. Almighty God, who has given us grace this time with one accord to make our common supplications unto thee, and dost promise that when two or three are gathered together in thy name, that will grant their requests. Fulfill now, O Lord, the desires and petitions of thy servants, as may be most expedient for them, granting us in this world knowledge of thy truth, and in the world to come life everlasting. Amen. The grace for our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Ghost with us all evermore. Amen. Good to be with you for morning prayer this morning. Have a great day. Peace to all. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Bishop Scott. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye, kiddos. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>